Hey, turn in, the book, uh, in your Bible to the book of Ephesians, if you will. And I'm going to speak today a bit of a teaching message from chapter 4. But I don't know about you, but don't you think it is true of all of us that we kind of get to a level in Christianity where we think, oh, that's enough, Lord. Now, I know we all want more and we say that, but we do get into kind of a routine. But can I just say to you that God has got more for you? It's going to be a theme in my ministry that God's got more for you. And we need to kind of avail ourselves of every resource that helps us to get everything we need to get in Christ. Now, that might kind of sound selfish that we're getting things, but actually we receive because God's got huge, huge ambitions for you and he wants to shape you in such a way. And so over the summer, I'm going to, for the next uh, five, five, six times I speak, I'm going to speak about the fivefold ministry uh, flourishing in the fivefold ministry and having the fivefold ministry as the foundation in our lives. Now, let me quickly say, I am not speaking about platform people when I talk about the apostolic, the prophetic, the pastoral, the teaching and the evangelistic. I'm not just speaking about the platform. I'm actually speaking about you. I'm speaking about the church. I'm speaking about us together. And so God wants us to be able to build and grow together. And these messages over the summer are going to be shaping, designing messages to help us to come to a place of saying, okay, I want to build, I want to grow, I want to be everything that Christ got for me. Can I hear an amen, church? Oh, you've missed me saying that, haven't you? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 says this. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many uh, captives and he gave gifts to his people. Now, where it says he gave gifts to his people, in the original language, it says he flung them out. He scattered them. He's generous with them. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't say, oh, I want a little person there, a little person there. No, he scoops out of his reservoir of gifts and flings them into his church. Look at verse 11 with me in Ephesians chapter four, uh, 4. So Christ himself, these are Jesus' gifts to you. Christ himself. The Bible makes it really clear that these are personally from his heart to your heart. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's not for them, it's for you. So when we talk about these things over the summer, we're talking about something for you. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity, unity in the faith. There's some things to believe together. In fact, it's not just unity in faith, it's in the faith that we begin to have some, of the, some essential beliefs that we all believe together. Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now let me just, let's just sit in our spirits just for a moment. 
the whole measure of the fullness of Christ is God's goal for me and you. Do you believe that you can attain that? Now, most of us are going to, you know, in an optimistic moment, we'll say, oh, yes, yes, yes. But if you just pause for a moment, that on this earth, you can receive the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Just let that sit with you for a moment. I want to say to you, God does not have small dreams for you and your personality. He does not have that. His goal for you is huge. For us, is huge. It's, it's massive. And sometimes, because we do church often, because we do meetings often, we do groups often, we, we tend to reduce things down to a routine. But over the summer, I, I kind of want us to explore these ministries given to us. But the goal of this is not just to do a technical thing about how the church is supposed to be. It's to begin to inspire you on to say, I want to move to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God has huge dreams for you. And then Paul goes on and says, then when we, when we embrace these ministries, then we will be no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, which is the only way to speak it, by the way, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body is joined together and held together by every supporting ligament. It grows and builds itself up in love, up in love, as each part does its work. Wow. When we read passages like this, that are very, very rich. There is no doubt that God's heart is that we grow both personally and as a church family, that God has, has fullness and, and more for us. That, that actually he's not reducing things down to a routine or a structure that he's saying, I want you to have everything that I have planned for you. A construction of any complexity will need deep plans. And I want to say to you that this is God's design for the church. When I was away, uh, I was in Belfast and I went to the Titanic Museum. And to see the blueprints of the ocean line of the Titanic was very complex. But you know, it took thousands and thousands of people doing dangerous jobs, riveting things together, carpenters, furniture makers, everybody pulling together engineers to bring this amazing construction of that ship together. Uh, by the way, when I was in uh, Belfast, I, I entered a photographic competition and I won. It's amazing. Uh, they wanted me to take a picture of a building. I did an angle of the uh, Titanic building and uh, with a statue and uh, I, I won the competition. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Uh, you know, for the first four days of the competition, I was the only person in the competition. <laughs> and then somebody entered the very last time and they both give us both a prize out of sympathy because we were the only ones in it. But the prize was a frig fridge magnet of my photograph. 
which is an amazing thing because in my house, we've got an integrated fridge and it's got a wooden door, so I've got to even stick my prize on my fridge. <laughs> but you know, God, God wants to bring into your life not just little prizes and little rewards and, and affirmations. God wants to bring the fullness of Christ into your life. He wants to do so much. But it's going to take lots of people being involved, lots of gift, lots of gift types to build this wonderful thing that he calls church. And also, you know, when I say the word church, I'm, I'm thinking you. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about you. If we're going to build church or build your life, it's going to take lots of people and lots of gifts to do it. But it takes a tremendous construction from God to build the church in the way that God wants to build it. You see, there can be many theories on how to do church, but Christ has already set the pattern through the apostolic, through the prophetic, through the pastoral, through the evangelistic, and through the teaching. God has already set that so that that is his way of constructing the church. He set this pattern Firstly, by his personal example, and then the gifts that he flings out to the church. I want you to notice that it says, and Christ gave the church. There was something that he said, now what can I do to build the church? And so he gives these gifts and functions into the church. Remember that Christ personally models these things. Christ himself was a great example. He's the perfect apostle. The word apostle means sent out one, the one sent out. Apostolos, apostello for uh, the plural, is that those who are sent out. In Hebrews 3 verse 1 it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He's the perfect apostle. So when he designs the church, it's something coming out of what he has already modeled. Jesus said, I'm sending you like I've been sent by the Father. As I was sent by the Father, I'm sending you. He's the sent one. Jesus was also the ultimate prophet. Do you know that Jesus uh, predicted that the temple would be destroyed and uh, when it was in an amazing structure that people, they couldn't get their heads around. In fact, it was part of that that led him uh, to the cross. But actually in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed and he said this, as for you, you'll see here that not one stone will be laid on another. And that actually happened. Not only was the fulfillment of prophecy, he spoke prophecy and his prophecies came true. In fact, he had prophetic words and he just knew what was in the hearts of people. Jesus was a prophet, probably without honour or definitely without honour in his own country. But he was a prophet. He models it out of his heart. He's the original evangelist. Remember that Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me, is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He's already the evangelist. He's the good shepherd and the good pastor. You remember Jesus uh, said, I am the good shepherd. But in Hebrews 13, verse 20, it says this. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of our sheep. When we talk about these things, we're talking about Jesus. 
We're talking about Jesus modeling something to us. He is the great teacher, isn't he? He said, he began, he sat down and began to teach people often. In fact, Jesus said this in John 13, verse 13, it says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. When I talked to you this summer about the structure of the church and the ministry of the church, we're talking about Jesus. Jesus is our great apostle. He is our great prophet. He's our great teacher. He's the original evangelist. He's the great shepherd of our soul. You see, these functions that build the church are not just theory. In some measure, we're invited to share in them because look at this. I don't know about you, and I know you want the same as me. I want to be like Jesus, don't you? I want to be like Jesus. And so if Jesus was an apostle that sent one, I want to be one. If Jesus had prophetic ministry, I want to have one. How about you? If Jesus was shepherdly and caring, I want to be that way, don't you? If Jesus could teach things, I want to teach things, don't you? See, we're not just talking about the platform, we're talking about us. We're talking about us as a church. In fact, these are not just offices. They are ministries and functions that we're invited to share in. Do you know that there were original 12 apostles and then two chapters later it says he sent out apostles, the 70. And then Jesus said to you, he said this in John 20, verse 21. He says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. I'm making you a sent one. In Matthew 10, 16, it says, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. And usually that's your workplace, isn't it, some of you? You know, we're supposed to speak a word of prophecy. In fact, a very important verse that I want you to all to grasp. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39 says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, I want you to notice that in the church of Corinth, he says, brothers and sisters, even though there were some problems in there. He said, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid the speaking in tongues. Do you know that you have, uh, you're invited to be prophetic, to speak a word of love, comfort, strength and encouragement to people at the right time, in the right season? Do you know that that's your ministry too? You know, when we were on holiday, we were on the Isle of Skye and they were in a place called Pitry. And there's about two streets there and there was a shop there. And I read over the shop and I thought it said 10 creations. And uh, I misread the sign. And uh, as we were in the shop, I said to the owner of the shop, this, the lovely lady, and I said, oh, why do you call your shop 10 creations? Is it, uh, is it because you've got 10 products that you sell that are original? I was making something up and said, oh no, my shop isn't named 10 Creations, it's named 1010 Creations. I said, oh, that's unusual, why do you do that? And she said, well, it's because in my family, at the 10th month and the 10th hour, unusual things have happened. And my father has been, went out at 10 minutes to 10 and, you know, he had an operation, he was, he was uh, uh, 
cleared from his operation at that time. And it's kind of a family superstition. Instantly, I said, do you know that John chapter 10, verse 10 says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. In fact, it says the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And the lady, she began to say, you know what? I feel strangely overwhelmed with emotion. She, she got, got tears in her eyes and she began to say, you know what? I'm going to look that up in the Bible. I'm going to study that because I think that's a word to me. How many of you know that you're still a Christian when you're on holiday? And that God wants to use you to give a word in every situation. Well, maybe not every situation, but a timely word often to people. You are invited to be prophetic. You're invited to share. You might not have the title of evangelist, but didn't Jesus say to you, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation? Aren't you invited to be shepherdly and to be pastoral and to be pastor to people? Jesus said, the book of Ephesians says it this way, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. I wonder if there's a shepherd in this house that needs to be shepherdly to somebody else. You might not have the title pastor. You see, more than titles, these are functions. And we'll get to the titles later. But actually, you're invited. Didn't Jesus say in the Great Commission, therefore, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you, you're invited to be sent out. In fact, God wants you to be sent to somebody tomorrow. You're invited to share. You're invited to be an evangelist. You're invited to be prophetic. Jesus modeled this perfect design And he invites us to share in it. Jesus did these things and he says, would you do these things? He invites you that if we are to build our lives, build our church, that actually these are the ways and these are the functions and ministries that does that. I want to say to you, let's stick to the design of building the church. Let's begin to develop these things. Of course, there are people that have these gifts in a strong way and in a more specific way. It's a gift that they have, but you know why they have that gift? To build you. They don't have that gift to say, I'm an apostle. They don't have that gift so that they can say, look at how I'm a prophet. They have that gift to breathe life into you, to build into you, to upbuild you, to strengthen you. And any person operating in a gift that doesn't build the church, they're operating in a title, not a gift. They have the gift to help us to build our lives. But you know, we get to share in those gifts too. You see, building is not just about growing, it's about becoming. It's about how healthily you are becoming as a person. You see, when we talk about building the church, we can fall into the trap of making it all about the things that we do or the people that we attract, and which of course is wonderful and lovely and we should do those things, but God wants to consider our health 
and our quality because it's, it's, it's our health and our quality that the fivefold ministry ensures. God wants you healthy. He wants you strong. Let's remind ourselves of the fivefold. Everybody in the house, if you've got a Bible or on your device, turn to Ephesians 4 and we'll look at verses 12 and 13. Let's just remind ourselves of what these ministries are supposed to do. To equip his people for works of service. They are there for you. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Who is the body of Christ? You are. It's not so a platform gets stronger or a person gets stronger. It's so that the body gets stronger. Have we got any bodybuilders in the house? Hear what I'm saying. Until we all reach unity in the faith. Our world is such a divided world. Unity is such a powerful message to the world. Unity is not conformity or uniformity. Unity is heart sharing. Unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God until we become mature. Mature is not about age. Mature is living up to what you know at that moment you know it. That's maturity. Attaining, now look at this, let this sit in your spirit again, to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. That's God's goal for you. If you're here as a guest, Jesus wants a perfect goal for your life. Not just some little churchianity, but a real goal for your life. Hey, try this with me. Here, here are the five, five or six things that this want to do. He wants to edify. Why don't you say these after me? Edify. Equipify. I'm making up words. Unify. Beautify. Exemplify. Maturify. That's not a word. But you see, he wants to edify and equip you. It's for you. So that we can be built up and so that we can serve better. So that we can do things that we couldn't do before through these functions. He wants to bring us to unity, to bind us together. That actually there isn't this camp or that camp or this case or that case. That actually we're bound together as a whole, but also we have our close relationships too. He wants to beautify us so that we become like Jesus. Jesus is the most beautiful person who ever lived. And as you become like him, he gave gifts. So he wants to say, how can I make you like Jesus? Okay, I'm going to bring something apostolic in your life, prophetic in your life, pastoral in your life, evangelistic in your life. And I'm going to bring something teaching in your life. That's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to use the Holy Spirit. But I want you to be like Jesus. So you can be grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. He wants to exemplify and show us what Jesus is like and prepare us for more ministry. So that through the example of these ministries working out, you can see Jesus practically. You see, God has got a design for the church and it's perfect. And he wants to bring us to maturity. That we know how to live according to what we've received. We can do that. Can I just say that ministries that don't do this are not fulfilling God's design? People that don't do this are not operating according to God's design. 
that unity is massive in God's heart and that we cannot be parallel lines or different camps, that God actually is saying, I want the whole church to be together in unity. God does not want you to be lacking and so he's going to be putting something of these ministries always in your life. You will always come across something prophetic. You will always have something in your life where he's giving you an opportunity to share because what he's trying to do is to raise you up to be stronger. Of course, he's going to raise up people that have these ministries in a strong way. That but they're gifts from Christ, but they're there to invest in you fully. And many of you may even have these callings. You actually have something of these callings seed placed in your life. Now, here's the dangerous thing. When you have a calling, the most important thing is timing. Because um, the, the, the temptation and the danger is, is to, you've got your gift, and you take that gift and you force it into your calling before it's time. It's like incubation of an egg or to be hatched. Or it's like something coming out. Moses tried to do that. He was a deliverer. He had the calling of a deliverer. And he killed one person. And God had to send him to the wilderness. Jesus, he even himself, it took 30 years for Jesus to come to fruition before he came to his ministry. You see, you've got the gift. In fact, can I say to you, you have a calling. Some of you are even struggling and say, well, I don't really know what my calling is. That doesn't matter that you don't know what it is. You have a calling. God wants you to do something in his, in, in his kingdom and in his church. I, you know, I just really need to feel this in my spirit right now. You have a calling and don't let the devil tell you anything else. Or your own lack of self-esteem. You have a calling. Come on, just push somebody and say, you have a calling. Now, here's the thing. Your calling is there. Your calling is there. Did you push each other then? I didn't mean to say, I didn't mean that literally. Your calling is there, but you've got to go through a process to bring it out. The process is this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That actually, first of all, you've got to get into relationship. People who are not into relationship first, that's kind of not how your calling works. And then as you get into a relationship, then trust things. See, Paul had a great gift. As soon as Paul got saved, he started preaching in Jerusalem and things started to happen. It caused a big ruckus and they actually smuggled him out of the city. And then he was in Tarsus for 14 years. Well, he, and then it was Barnabas who went to get him and he learned relationship first. And when you learn relationship, then you can be trusted. And when you can be trusted, then you can be given responsibility. And when you're given responsibility, then authority comes. And that's how calling works. Often we are strong in our gift, but we are slow and weak in the process. You have a calling. You've just got to go through the process. So I want to say to you today, come under this protective influence of God's design for the church. This is how he's designed it. It's functions and ministries. And yes, some people will, will have such a strong ministry of it, it will become their office. 
Because we're part of the church, God is going to expose you and surround us with people who have these ministries, but he also wants to develop these within you. And he wants us to have a five-fold approach to building the church. And so you need to understand that we need, I need, we all need, we as church need to come under the influence of these. Now apostles govern us. Apostles have that authority whereby they need the structure and accountability in, their, in our lives. Apostles will govern us and we need to be open to that. Prophets guide us. And we need some more of the, more than plans, we need revelation. Some of you are great at planning, but you've got to get the touch of God in it so it's a revelation. So prophets will guide us. Evangelists gather, and we need to learn that as evangelists gather, we need to be welcoming to the unusual people. Sometimes the evangelists bring in. Have you ever noticed that? that? That, you know, as new people come in the church, they mess up things. In fact, there's a new person sitting in your seat right now. And you've had to move a little bit, haven't you? Don't say amen right now because you're going to embarrass the person next to you. There's an evangelist and a pastor one time that went out bear hunting in the United States. And the, the pastor, you know, they got to the cabin and the pastor was not feeling too well. And he said, hey, listen, I'm just going to make sure I feel better. And the evangelist said, oh, I can't wait to get out there. I'm going out there. I'm going to get us, some, get us something. Two hours later, the pastor saw the evangelist running down the hill with a bear chasing him. He's following him, he's running in and he said, open the door, open the door. The pastor opened the cabin door and the evangelist ran into the cabin door, ran out the back, shut the door and said to the pastor, sort him out, kill him. It's a bit like that, isn't it? That sometimes pastors are supposed to sort everything out and that's not really our job. I once remember that somebody called me and they said, Pastor, my son is about to attack me. And they said, will you come over? And I said, no, call the police. <laughs> I can't do everything. But pastors do God, don't they? And that's their job. In fact, pastors are there for direction, protection and correction. Protection, correction and correction. David said to Saul, when he got the armour, he said, Saul, when your servant has been keeping his father's sheep and when a lion and a bear came, he carried off a sheep from the flock. I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair. You know, some pastors are really cuddly and have cardigans. This pastor fights lions. And some of us do have that kind of view that pastors are supposed to be all kind of gentle and so on. They are shepherdly. They are there for direction, protection and correction. The pastor's like a gatekeeper that does what's best for the sheep. Jesus put it this way. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not a shepherd and does not one does not own the sheep so when he sees the wolf coming he abandons the sheep and runs away and then the wolf attacks and the flock are scattered pastors guard you see apostles govern prophets guide evangelists gather pastors guard and there'll be some callings within your life right now 
that God is bringing those things out. You just want the best for the sheep. That's your pastoral calling. But teachers, they ground us. Apostles govern us. Evangelists gather. Prophets guide us. Pastors guard us. But teachers ground us. They ground us in the word so that we stay on track biblically, but in a fresh way. You see, I want to say to you that all these things, some people will have them in a strong measure, but God is inviting you today to say, God, I am open for you so that I can share in these for me. God wants you to speak a word of life into somebody in your world. God wants you to pastor somebody in your world. God wants you to govern some things and set some things in order. Now, please, don't go into Marks and Spencers and say, I am the apostle of shopping. <laughs> don't do that. In fact, here's the test. You tell me your title. I want to see your fruit. Come on now. If you tell me you're a prophet... I want to see your fruit. See, if you hand me your business card that says pastor on it, I want to see your shepherdly fruit. Would you please stand with me? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I want to ask you some questions. And I genuinely want you to open your heart to these questions. If, you, if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to build a church like Jesus, we have to embrace Jesus' design. You can't fit this design into one structure or function. God is going to need you to gather in a large group. God is going to need you to gather in a small group. God is going to need you to go to this meeting, that meeting. God's going to need you to have this friend, that friend, because you can't fit those five things into just one little thing. So he's going to expose you to a huge and multi-varied things so that he can get you to be, everybody say this word, fullness. Fullness. That's what his, that's what his goal is for you. He's not got a goal for you to keep you coming along and doing your bit. His goal for you is Christ's fullness. So he's going to expose you to people, yeah, come on, let's give the Lord a clap off it. Fullness. Absolute fullness. God's not going to keep you in a little thing just so that you are just there. He's going to bring up the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the pastoral, the teaching. He's going to bring that into your life in various forms so that he can get the best out of you. Because this design is to build you so that we can win the world. Give up your small ambitions. Give up your small thoughts about you. So do you need some apostolic accountability? Have you got accountability in your life? Government, 
you're Lone Ranger. Or you've got people who you kind of, you know, they're around you, but actually nobody really speaks into your life on a, on a really deep level. Do you need some accountability? Do you need to be open to some fresh revelation? When was the last time that God spoke a fresh word, a prophetic, comforting, strengthening, edifying word into your life? that was either through the scripture or through somebody. When was the last time somebody walked into your shop and said, John 10.10 says this, and it speaks to you. You need that. I need that. You know, we haven't really said much to you, but Kathy and I have had so many prophecies about being here. People who we don't know, people who we do know. It's the prophetic word that has been amazing to us. You need that. We need that. Do you need more to be more open to new people? You know, as our evangelists gather and, you know, we'll, we'll gather tonight, but what about, what about some new people? Do you need some new people in your cell? Do you need some new people in your church? Do you need some new people in your life? How about gathering? How about saying, God, I'm not great at making friends, but I want you to open my heart so that when they come along, at least I can be welcoming. You see, this is God's design for your life. We're not just talking church. We're talking your life. You are the church. Your life is the church. Do you need to nurture and care for somebody? Do you need to be somebody's pastor today? Do you need to be shepherdly? Do you need to have some new grounding in the Word of God? Have you got to the stage where you just kind of know the Bible, but it's kind of old hat to you? You see, this is God's design to build the church. Now, as I said earlier, it's not about titles. Some people will grow in these gifts that they are truly apostolic and that you can see that. But as I said earlier, you show me your business card, I want to see your fruit. You tell me you're this, I want to say, well, let me see what happens. Don't rush your calling, but embrace these things. 